It's who you are at work, after hours, and back at home. Exploring every layer, finding out what makes you uniquely you, and letting that shine back out into the world. It's Authentic 365, a podcast that takes a glimpse into how some of the most inspiring people among us express themselves and make magic happen. I'm your host, Danny Jackson-Smith, VP at Edelman by Day, community enthusiast and lover of the people always. On this episode, we are engaging our colleagues across the globe in a conversation on gender identity, understanding that how gender is addressed and acknowledged shifts based on your location. Let's join the conversation now. Hello, I'm Rafael from Brazil, Adam in São Paulo, and we are here uh, today to discuss uh, to explore the stigmas around gender identity and expression, to go beyond the binary, gender identity and expression at work. And for this conversation, I have here uh, four different persons around the globe. We have Monica Chekchak from uh, Brazil as well. She's a senior account manager. Uh, I will ask everyone to say your pronouns as well. Uh, Ezra Gideon, Director from Malaysia, Lauren Gray, Senior Vice President, New York Crisis and Reputation Risk Advisory, and Nick Nelson, Senior Vice President, Austin. Welcome, everyone. Glad to be here. Happy to be here, too. So uh, we'll just start with uh, an open question to uh, everyone. So uh, one's identity is important to us all, and should we be respected by everyone? Now, in the formal definition of gender identity and expression, uh, what do those terms mean to you personally? And your response, again, please uh, say your personal pronouns. Mo, you can you can start, please. Okay. Uh, hi, everyone. Glad to be here with everyone. I'm Monica, but let's say Mo for short. As you heard, my name is a little tricky. Uh, my pronouns are actually all the pronouns. I'm like the lady on the mall that puts everything on the shopping cart. So he, she, they, I'm comfortable with all of those. And to me, that's a special question because expression to me, it's whatever I feel like that day. Sometimes it's braids, sometimes it's baggy clothes, sometimes it's nothing at all. I'm also very forth on getting out of that image that everyone that's non-binary only wears pajamas. <laughs> And I think expression is just feeling comfortable with yourself and being your best self every day. And that's particularly special at work. And I think respect only starts with us looking at each other and getting to know each other and asking questions and having safe spaces to ask those questions. Because it's not easy. Sometimes I'm very feminine, so people might assume I use she or her. Sometimes I'm very masculine, so people might assume I'm a he. But it's very fluid, like gender and like expressions. So we have to be safe to ask each other questions and present ourselves as we are. Okay, great. What about you, Ezra? Hi. Uh, so, yeah, um, my pronouns are he, him. Um, I've recently transitioned from female to male about two years ago. Um, and I guess, you know, um, I, how do I say this? Uh, it is it is more true to me being a he, him than it ever was before, you know, being um, 
any any other pronoun to be honest so it's most comfortable for me and this is the pronoun that i feel most myself um it's a little tricky here because uh the malaysian language does not have a uh, a uh, uh, he him they, they it's all dia dia means they he she so it's you know it's it's an amazing language trouble is in kuala lumpur corporate language is still english so but it's still kind of you know um uh yeah there's a mix of, of malay and english so it's it's not as difficult i think for us here uh, in in kuala lumpur as opposed to parts of other parts of malaysia uh but yeah it's a it's those are the pronouns i'm comfortable with and i'm i'm, I'm happy to uh to use whatever pronouns someone tells me they want i will use that because i respect that that they know themselves better than i do so you know so yeah that's great well uh i'm make myself vulnerable here uh because i'm not a non uh, i'm a non native english speaker so it's uh hard for us brazilians as well to understand this gender um way of speaking in english so i will hand over to my english colleagues my english speaker english speaking colleagues lauren and nick please well thank you so much i actually wanted to start by just sharing a definition of gender identity and gender expression just in case anyone who's listening in um, doesn't know those definitions and these come from the lgbtq plus advocacy organization glad um, and its media reference guide online. Um, reporters can use that guide to help better understand and cover LGBTQ issues. Um, for gender identity, it's really a person's internal, deeply held knowledge of their own gender. Everybody has a gender identity. For most people, it matches the sex that they were assigned at birth. For our transgender community members, it doesn't align with sex assigned at birth. And many people's gender identity is that of a man or a woman, but for other non-binary community members, it just doesn't fit neatly into one of those two categories. And just to give you a little bit more context on that, um, there was a recent study by the Trevor Project that found that one in four Gen Z LGBTQ community members are non-binary, um, with an additional other 20% questioning their gender identity. Um, and one half of those Gen Z non-binary individuals actually don't identify as transgender. So what we're seeing is really a sea change in the breadth and variety of language that's being used to describe and understand how nuanced gender can be. Um, for me, my pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, but as a member of the LGBTQ community, hearing people share their pronouns and seeing pronouns included in email signatures or in Zoom display names, it's, it's really a signal of a more diverse, inclusive environment. And I think it's one of the very important things that our colleagues can do in the workplace as an outward sign of support for our community. Um, and for those who are also looking for other ways to be a stronger ally, I would encourage you to get to know your LGBTQ colleagues, acknowledge their partners or spouses or families um, in the very same ways that you would people outside of the LGBTQ community. Um, read up on things, look at the news, watch what's happening as things develop, um, and try to acknowledge um, moments of significance to the community, moments when we have terrible setbacks um, and moments when we celebrate um, great progress. Nick? Yeah, Lauren, thank you so much for that. I think you know, it's always helpful to hear and be reminded. Um, my pronouns are he, him, his, um, and my name is Nick Nelson, since I didn't start with that. Um, I think 
one of the things that I am still learning is the conversation we're having right now. You know, I work in multicultural DEI space. And so I've had the privilege to learn about gender identity, gender expression, but I've also had to acknowledge my own privilege as a cisgender male and not having to understand people who don't identify in the same way. Um, and it's been a really rewarding experience to learn so much and have conversations like these and facilitate conversations like these for clients and for our colleagues. And so I think what it means to me is just a learning experience still. You know, I'm, I'm 33 years old and I'm still learning so many things as if I was still in school. And I think that's been the great thing about this particular workplace, but especially the work that I do is it gives me an opportunity to educate and to bring clients and colleagues along on the journey with me. But it also provides an opportunity for me to learn more and then be more supportive of my colleagues who may not be um, who may not identify the same way or feel confident or comfortable identifying the same way uh, as I do. So I'm really glad to be in this space with you all and have this discussion because it's long overdue and it's always important to talk through and kind of hear the perspectives. Um, and I am looking forward to walking away from this with a new perspective that I can then bring into my work and, and support everyone, you know, regardless of their walk in life. And we have mentioned uh, our journey to understand this this uh, theme better. And also, uh, Lauren mentioned the, the pronouns on our Mayo signatures. And this uh, awake me uh, about Monica because I have uh, wrongly assumed her pronouns in the beginning as she, her only. And we never have uh, talked about that before. And so, Mo, uh, Is there a best way to, to make sure we are always uh, using pronouns properly and uh, inclusively, especially in a global firm like Adamon? Yeah, and I think that's the funny part because when you have different pronouns, sometimes it falls back to you to let people know about your pronouns, but you're not always safe or comfortable with sharing. So when you have a widespread initiative like the email signatures, Like Lauren said, you're showing other people that it's okay to introduce yourself and say your pronouns and ask people for their pronouns as well. To me, since I relate to all of them and none of them, it's like whatever rings that day, it's fine. I, I, I feel very glad when someone uses he for me because it shows me they're trying to use other pronouns with me or when they talk in a gender neutral way. But at the same time, I'm comfortable in all those spaces. So I never really made the effort of going out there and saying to people, hey, this is my pronouns. I'm, I'm comfortable with this. I'm comfortable with that. And once we had the signatures, it was like, oh, I can let people know. <laughs> and it kind of blew my mind a little because it was so simple and so easy. And at the same time, I had a few emotional exchanges. Rafa was one of those people, but other colleagues came to me and was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I never knew. Are you okay? Should I say things different? And it never occurred to me before that people might be struck that way after knowing my pronouns, that they did something wrong or something was not right before. 
So I had a lot of very emotional and very good exchanges with my colleagues. And I tried to make sure they knew that it was okay. We were getting to know each other better. And I was happy now they knew and they were trying to be uh, more, I don't know, inclusive with me. And it was very good for me to have those conversations because it opened doors for us to know each other better. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, I just wanted to build on that. One, thank you for sharing. But two, it's something that I speak about in client forums and in our employee forums where inclusion or being inclusive is not difficult, but it is intentional. So you saying the email signature was such a simple thing that started these conversations and got you such reactions, but also gave you an opportunity to express that. That's a perfect example of that. You know, inclusion is always intentional, but it's not always difficult. And it just takes people like our company or like other companies who've done that, starting these initiatives um, where you can put your pronouns in your email or like we've done in this conversation, starting with introducing yourself and your pronouns. So you've established that already. And that was just such a small, simple step. So I'm really glad to hear that it was that impactful for you, where it was starting some new conversations, um, drawing some reactions, and possibly an educational opportunity for so many of the colleagues. Absolutely. And it's completely intentional. And what I like most about it, it's at the end of those conversations, what we came to realize is that it has to be intentional it, and it has to be like a day-to-day -day exercise. In Portuguese, every word is gendered, like objects are gendered, every pronoun is gendered. So we are still figuring out how to be gender neutral and what are the rules and how to express it. And it's hard. You have to practice. So you have to know that you have to use it and try to use it every day so you get to that place in which it's easy and common to be gender neutral as well. So having those conversations was great for me and getting to this place where other people were also comfortable in asking and learning and trying to exercise it was great. Yeah, and as Mo said, in, in Portuguese, we have gender uh, conversations in general. Every word is gender. Uh, but we are figuring out ways to do it. And so, for example, we have inclusive language and we have neutral language. Uh, one of them is not like um, formal, so we cannot use uh, broadly because it's not common for people to understand. But there are some ways that you can uh, remove the gender from the phrase, rephrasing it. So that's one way that we uh, we try to do the, here in, in Brazil. And Ezra, uh, inclusive language, as I, I was saying, translates differently in different countries. And can you help better help us uh, understand this dynamic based on your local experience? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I guess in when if and when we speak Bahasa Malaysia, which is to me, how many times, how many percent of my day is spent speaking Bahasa? Maybe twenty. Uh, so 80% of my time is, is speaking English because, you know, in Kuala Lumpur, almost everyone speaks English. In fact, everyone does. It's a matter of, the, you know, the degree of English or, 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 or how well they speak it. But uh, I only spend about 20% of my time speaking Bahasa Malaysia. Um, but it's a mix and match when you're with very close friends and it gets very, you know, um, how do you say, gets more, when you're more familiar with people, it gets a little bit 
less structured. So then, you know, it's a mix of English and Malay. But I do think that uh, people who speak Malay, the Bahasa, um, uh, the Malay language, tend to be less um, concerned over pronouns, and it's just they, them, uh, generally. Uh, and when they speak, uh, and when they say dia itu, means, you know, they, or he or she. So it doesn't really, uh, you know, affect the conversation or the person or the well-being of someone. But um, but again, you know, uh, how that works for us is still we speak a lot more English than we do Malay. And it's hard to educate, uh, you know, people in a country where it's illegal to be trans or gay. So they just won't. (laughs) They just won't because, you know, I don't have to because it's illegal anyway, you being you. Sure. And Lauren, uh, we were talking about uh, places where uh, it's legal to be LGBTQ plus and not even in countries where it's, it, it is recognizable and it's okay to be gay or lesbian and trans and etc. Uh, we know that not all LGBTQI uh, plus employees feel comfortable sharing their, their experiences, sexual orientation, gender identity or expression in the workplace. So how can we uh, recognize that and still be supportive uh, to our colleagues, of our colleagues? So you're absolutely right about that, Raf, and that's actually really a surprise sometimes to people in the U.S. Um, There's data from the Human Rights Campaign um, from 2018 that found that about 46% of LGBTQ employees are closeted at work, which is actually usually very, very surprising to people. We really want people to be able to be their authentic selves at work. Some of it is an issue of representation. There was some really interesting research as well from McKinsey um, in their 2020 Women in the Workplace report that found that in corporate America, LGBTQ women specifically um, only make up 2.3% of entry-level employees, 1.6% of managers, and even smaller numbers at more senior levels. So to help counter this and and help bring people out at work, we really need to focus on ways that we can increase visibility at work and representation. Um, For business, it's it's great to think about recruiting and retention and and what that could look like. Um, And we actually had a really interesting experience recently at Edelman. We created this task force um, called Outfront. It's an LGBTQ task force. It's really meant to help counsel clients on complex LGBTQ issues. And as part of that task force, we created a Teams chat to make sure that people were in the loop and that we were communicating on issues that were raised and bringing in people with appropriate expertise. Um, and we found that that chat um, really brought people together across offices. It was amazing. And people started communicating on it all the time, sharing articles and stories and life events and wedding photos and um, you know, pictures of birth of new children, et cetera. And it was just this really incredible way that really organically people came together and, and started to increase visibility. So as much as we can do things like that, um, I think that will really, really help bring people out at work. And this, I guess, changes our uh, culture, culture of the company, right? And uh, the culture of a company is impacted and in, in informed by the people who work there. So, uh, Nick, uh, how can we all be inclusive and supportive to our uh, to all our colleagues who wish to or wish not to fully express their gender identity at workplace? Yeah, I think the most important thing is to create safe space, 
right? Create safe space for our colleagues at Edelman beyond um, to show up the way that they want to, right? And for some people, I would say that doesn't necessarily mean that they're closeted. That means that that's not a part of themselves that they want to share in the workplace. And I think we have to create the space and grace for that, right? You know, I think the term that we use a lot is authentic self. And I think authentic self is subjective and relative to every individual. And so, you know, if you choose to share these details with me, great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. If this is not important to your workday or if this is not a part of the identity that you want to share in any part of your life, great. I still like you anyway. <laughs> I still enjoy working with you. And so I think that's the most important thing is just the space to be yourself and then not, we have to be careful. And this is something that I see a lot in my work. We have to be careful not to create a box or terms for what showing up as your authentic self means, right? You know, what that means for Lauren, for example, may be very different for me. And that's not because anyone is shy or afraid, but we have to consider that people are bringing a lot of different experiences into this moment that we're meeting them at. You know, I have no idea what has happened to you guys before 21 minutes ago when we started this recording, right? And I don't know what's gonna happen to you after, but I have to understand that there's so many things contributing to the way that you are showing up in this moment. And so all I can do and all we can do is make sure that we're being supportive colleagues and meeting you in this moment and helping you show up the way that you want to and be your best self. That's very powerful and, and very, very true. And so I, I will get back to, to Lauren because we have talked about uh, Edelman initiatives uh, in, in, during the, this conversation. And Edelman Equal is one of our employee network groups uh, at Edelman, and it will, was created to help to build internal community for LGBTQ plus employees and allies and provide a place and space where employees can uh, share, learn and grow So uh, how can uh, an employee group serve to build community for or benefit non-cisgender employees at work? Um, it's a really great question. I'm, I'm glad that you asked that. This year, Edelman Equal has, um, we've had several key priorities. The first is educational programming. So for example, after the overturn of Roe v. Wade, we hosted a conversation with Jim Obergefell, who was the lead plaintiff in the Supreme Court case, the marriage equality case. Um, and we talked about what these developments might mean for LGBTQ community members um, and for marriage equality broadly. We also talked about um, monkeypox this week with Dr. David Navarro. Um, so we did a briefing, a public health briefing on it. Um, we talked about considerations for employers um, and answered questions that people may have about what's happening and what that looks like. And I think this educational programming is really important because it doesn't just benefit our broader Edelman community, but if you are an LGBTQ employee and you want to have a voice in helping shape the conversation that's happening at Edelman and the knowledge on these issues in your own workplace, you can really be part of planning what some of that looks like. Um, We also advocate for employees. We want to make sure that we are on top of what employee benefits should be happening for LGBTQ employees. Um, 
and making sure that we're included in data that Edelman is collecting so that we're being appropriately represented. And then also just provide a space to really connect and get to know each other and advocate for each other and support each other. Sometimes it's nice just to have fun together. Um, but other times it's, it's also really nice to have built up strong relationships with other LGBTQ employees. If you have questions or want to pressure test certain things um, or just to talk about things that have happened in the workplace. That's great. And Ezra, uh, you have started your uh, female to male transition a short time ago and not within the most ideal condition as your country is not welcoming to the full diversity of the LGBTQ plus community. And you have told me that Adam and have, have, have had a, a very uh, powerful space in this transition. So can you share a little bit of uh, your experience and specifically your, how your work environment has impacted your transition? Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, it, it, it took a, a while before I discovered, you know, um, you know, exactly, you know, what my life would, 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 would be uh, had I had I taken this journey, for example, it's a lot of obstacles. Uh, but, you know, I, I spoke to my MD, Mazwin, and I told her everything. And I said, if it means I have to quit, I will have to do it because It's, I cannot, you know, cannot not live, you know, being myself. Um, but, you know, we took it on together, actually. And I, I think this is very important. It's because of that kind of leadership uh, that you feel you can go to someone, you're safe for the most, you know, uh, Muslim is Muslim, uh, Muslim is Muslim, I'm Muslim. So it, it need, you need to trust this person, <laughs> you know. But, you know, after all of that, uh, long story short, um, we managed to find a way to uh, bridge that gap by, I said, I'm going to come out. We're going to stay and fight this together. Whatever the system is, we will, you know, we'll face it together. Uh, and um, I came out to the colleagues and I think to APAC uh, for, uh, uh, I think online when, when we were all during the pandemic at, at that time. Um, and uh, it made me so much braver. And she was right there next to me. And she was saying, go on, go on. It's fine. You know, um, And so many people involved, it's, it's not just my MD, but she was that person for me. And had I not had someone like that to be able to help me uh, and on a day-to-day -day even uh, struggle with uh, with the outside world, because coming to Edelman is like a whole different world. <laughs> When I go back home, it's a whole different world, right? So, um, But it's made me mentally healthy so much better. I, I'm so much better for it, being able to do what I do every day. I think I've even gotten better at my job, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> so um, so that, that I think was very important. But it's not just leadership, it's the whole team They're so polite. They ask me, you know, if they're, they're saying something wrong. They're, they're just amazing. It's, it's hard to express. But, uh, yeah, it, it's been amazing. Uh, so we have two sets of laws in Malaysia. One is for Muslims, which is the Sharia law. And another is secular for everybody else who's not Muslim. And um, I can never change my gender marker, obviously, uh, because if as soon as I do that, it will be, you know, it's illegal. Right, uh, but they're gonna. It, they can try and test and uh, test you on a day-to-day -day basis if they want to have a look at your ID card and it doesn't match with the way you look or how you express yourself. They can give you a hard time. But I've been very lucky. I've been honestly um, luckier than most, uh, and, and and most great, grateful for that. But it's harder for a lot more people here. I'm in a good position. I could probably get a job 
easier than some trans people because I've been known in the industry before uh, I transitioned. Uh, so yeah, uh, it, 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 you know, there's more to it than that, but uh, in, in a nutshell, it really helps to have that culture of support from top down uh, and, it, and it helps so much. Well, I think I can speak uh, on, on behalf of everyone here. We are so glad to, to hear that you have this help and, and have this uh, opportunity of uh, transition and be yourself at, at the workplace. And okay. as we are discussing the, the, the pronoun usage, for example, and the respect for uh, gender identity and expression, they are very important in life and at work. Uh, so, Mo, can, can you give us uh, an overview of uh, why it's so important to respect pronouns? Why these uh, tiny words are so important and so impactful on our lives and our uh, day-to-day work? A little emotional, uh, but I think what we need to start off is just tripping away everything else and just realizing that We are all human beings that want to be seen. We want to make connections. We want to be cherished. We want to love and be loved. And that's the center of everything. And having that in the workplace, which is, let's say, most of our day, it's the biggest slice of our day when we go to work and meet our colleagues and we talk to clients. It's so important because... Imagine spending like a third of your life not being seen and acknowledged every day. That's that's hurtful at a human level. So having that space where you can be yourself and like Ezra find support and have people acknowledge and see you for who you are is very powerful because that gives us the confidence and the courage to go out there and face whatever we are facing on the other aspects of our lives as well. And this week, as I was with Ana, our lead in Brazil, we went to an event to sign an open letter to support LGBT inclusion in the workplace alongside other companies here in Brazil. And everyone that's standing at that event and talking to each other, there was those moments when you find someone in the audience and you look into their eyes and you could see that connection, the power of that connection of being seen and being heard. And two of the things that made me the most emotion out there was that cry out for us to be brave. So let's create a safe space and not be afraid of creating more safe spaces to each other. Uh, but also when people would find each other and say, we know it's hard, we know it's little by little, but every little thing makes life so much better. And this is so important in the workplace. That's true. That's totally true. And uh, we are talking a lot about how uh, inside a company we can do to, to make uh, our colleagues' days better. Uh, but since we work in the client services business, we and just like colleagues, clients can also project their discomfort or express express microaggressions towards people uh, of the community. So, uh, Nick, if you can speak uh, to navigating uh, sensitivities with clients and protecting the company and employer relationship, also how we can uh, can we protect our teams and ourselves 
to make everyone feel safe and comfortable showing up as their authentic self. Yeah, yeah. And Ezra, I'm definitely curious to hear what you have to say about this. But I think in my experience, one thing that I am learning and, and observing is that, especially with clients, sometimes they genuinely don't know when they are projecting these things. I think, you know, it it's bias showing up. It's some of those kind of, you know, inherent things that they may have uh, brought to the table. And so my experience, which has been pretty successful in the past, is just addressing it head on, you know, stopping in that moment and saying, hey, I heard you say this thing. What did you mean by that? And that is a very intentional question. As we were talking about earlier, it creates space. It creates a space to talk through it, no judgment, but also to educate and kind of point out why that may not be okay or point out, you know, what a different way to articulate that opinion may be, uh, but also to ask questions. You know, I, I work with a bunch of people who don't work in DEI or multicultural engagement or things like that. And so I have to understand that a lot of people don't know. A lot of people don't sit in forums like this and have these conversations. And so with clients in particular, or even with colleagues, you know, I think we have a, I don't want to say a responsibility, but I do think we have an opportunity to try to get to it in that moment. I think where we may need to do some more work is letting it linger or letting it pass, right? Because then you've not only signaled that whatever this person said was okay, but that you're okay with it, right? And so I think there's a way to get into that conversation, have it come out of it with an educational uh, moment and opportunity. And then to your second question, I think I think it's such an interesting position to be in, right? And I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, creating space for someone to show up however they want, right? And if they are out and proud, as we might say, great, let's lean into that. Let's build it. You know, I want to shout out Lauren and the Equal team for all of the work that they're doing, not just, you know, with the ERGs, but then bringing in some of those experts to talk about uh, the impact on our community but then also how that impacts the broader community, right? I don't think perspectives like that are heard. And then Ezra, I'll transition to you, but one thing that you said that I always kind of keep in my brain is brave. I've never had to be, quote, brave, right? You know, I exist as who I am. I show up and take up space. I've not had to go through that experience that you have. And I've not had to do it publicly. I've not had to kind of navigate the things like that on top of, you know, the cultural situation that you're in. And so I applaud you and people like you who are willing to bring those educational opportunities to us. Um, and like I said, to Lauren and Mo, you know, all of these things that we just don't think about, you know, that I don't think about because I don't have these question marks or I don't have things that may signal something else to someone. And so I really just want to appreciate you guys publicly and openly um, for that kind of work and how it advances this exact conversation that we're having. I just wanted to add that 
I think not everyone can relate to how huge that is. But I think we all, when we go back to ourselves, we know about fear. We all fear something and the size of the fear and the importance of having that backup. But another thing I would say, we know things are hard. In Brazil, we have a lot of violence against the trans community, especially. And we know in different parts of the world, we have different regulations and laws. So it's very different in context. What kind of fear you have when coming out, when reaching out for help, when making those connections. But I think it's important for us to also see the hope in that. And they will hear it in your voice. They won't see your face, but a little flash in your eyes when you're saying how much better it was than you expected and all the support you get. And I think we have to keep that in mind because we know there's a lot of bigoted people. We know there's a lot of conservative people. We know there's a lot of evil in the world, but there's also hope, there's also connection, there's also friendship and and help, sometimes where you least expect. And people can change and people can learn and we can build those networks that are accommodating and comfortable and resourceful to others. So I just wanted to bring out hope from your your story because I think we need to remind ourselves of that. That's very powerful. And I'm, I'm clapping here on mute just to not disturb your speeches. <laughs> uh, so heading out to the end of, of our conversation, I would just like you to uh, get your final, um, final thoughts. And try, we, we navigate this a little bit during our conversation, but just for uh, wrapping, wrapping up, uh, what can those uh, who are not part of the community do do to be better allies and uh, accomplices for the LGBTQ plus colleagues at work. So Nick, if you want to start. Sure, happy to start. I think allyship is so important because, you know, while I think this group, you know, we are having this conversation publicly and openly, I think we are at a certain part of our journey, right? I think there are people who may not be there, right? And so that's where allies come in. And I recall a conversation that Edelman hosted during the chaos of 2020, where um, the gentleman presenting said, you know, there's allyship and then there's accompliceship, right? So are you going to stand beside me or are you going to stand in front of me, right? And some of us just need someone to stand beside us, which I believe we would kind of consider as an ally. But then some of us who may not be as advanced in our journey or kind of still understand where we fit into an organization or to society or culture may need an accomplice. And so I think understanding where our colleagues are, um, creating the space to have conversations about pronouns, about workplace identity, about all these things, is where you can really understand where you fit on that spectrum. So is it, you know, walk beside me, walk in front of me. And then sometimes for some of us, is get behind me, move out of my way. <laughs> Let me clear the path so I can make it so much easier for others who come after me, right? And so I think that's where our colleagues, whether, whether or not they're in the community, honestly, can be the most helpful is just really understanding you know, is it that accompliceship? Is it that allyship? Or is it just, I got your back. Let me know what you need. Great. 
Lauren? I guess I just wanted to build on a point that Mo made earlier that I thought was such a good point. Um, and I think that's that we don't expect pers- for perfection from people in being allies. Um, and I think that's a, a really good thing to raise. We shouldn't let being perfect become the enemy of the good. It's enough for many people within the community just to see that you are trying, just to see that you're interested in trying to build connection um, and doing what you can to be supportive. Um, I think often people are really afraid of making mistakes in some of these conversations. And I think it's just good to affirm, and I was so glad that Mo raised that, that um, for a lot of people within the community, um, we, we just want to see you trying. Um, so really, really appreciate that. That's totally true. Ezra? I think for me, um, what I've noticed and what I, I, I see around me it's always good to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, I think I am braver because I believe in the good of people more than anything else. I'm not brave because, you know, it's I didn't even see anything coming. So really, I don't know what to be scared of. But really, it was the, the fact that people are relatively good. And if you do try and, you, and, if, and if they reject you, it's fine. You have to learn to heal a little bit from that, but you can educate and sometimes the more you can do that in a big way, and and I say this with clients as well, um, is 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 to yeah to, to allow them to to make mistakes also and and be and you know correct them in the in the in a good way because they sometimes don't know they they don't know even what they're doing especially let's say for for some place like in Malaysia in uh, you know I mean look we're not living on trees no that's not that's not it but but a lot of this. Uh, awareness of the community it's not part of the conversation on a day-to-day so give them a chance uh, you know that's that that's that's what I have that makes the, the world better <laughs> Amo? I think the first thing that comes to mind when we talk about allyship and our job as well as a communications firm is really talk more and make it safe to talk more because I know it's a very vulnerable place and I can speak from experience throughout my life. I made so many mistakes uh, growing up, after I grew up, as I developed as a professional and as a person. And sometimes it's hard to have those conversations and sometimes it touches into memories or situations that you're not ready for. And there's no rush. You can take your time. You can see if when, where, it's good for you to talk about it. But as an Isla, I make sure to signal that you are there when the person is ready and talk about what you're thinking, raise questions and participate because it's what we do on a day-to-day as a firm. We talk to our clients, we talk to society, we talk to our colleagues, and that's part of experience itself to be open and to reach out and use everything your experience in learning and hearing to build something better because uh, I like to say to my colleagues when we talk about diversity equity inclusion it's a journey so it doesn't really have a destination we keep building up on the conversations and the experience we are having that's true and when you're in the position of being an ally you don't need to wait to be ready. <laughs> you go with fear. You you just make mistakes, but 
uh, feel uh, certain that you need to be there for people that you you care about and your colleagues and the people in your life. So just be there and and listen and have this conversation. And that's a wrap for this episode. Many thanks to you for rocking with us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. And until next time, keep it authentic all day, every day. Special thanks to our team behind the scenes.